here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and it is time for Out of Line. We're here live, same time every Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you live from Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar here in Las Vegas. And uh, until further notice, Kickers will be our home, being that uh, we've been booted out of the Fox Sports Radio studios um, until further notice, since this pandemic has started, I, th- I thought it was over with. Soon, maybe uh, they'll be uh, they'll be bringing us back. But uh, for for the for the time being, we are located right here at Kickers Gaming Sports Bar. Again, we are just down the road from the Cashman Center and from the Neon Boneyard. No place like it. This is a great place to watch the games. We'll talk about that in a minute. And joining me here on the show. Um, and just making it in, setting himself up, is our intern, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski. The Wiz is the only intern in the world with his own theme music. And uh, we're going to play that today or not? Oh, we are playing it. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. And there it is, also part of the show at Social Distancing, back in the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio. After a long absence from the show, producer and member of the Vegas Golden Knights radio broadcast team, Chris Magnum Chapman. I don't know if Max, Max, can you hear me back there? Uh Oh, I can't hear him back. Well, Max, if you can hear me, uh, get on the air. We'd love love for you to join us eventually. Uh, Just setting up here a little bit late today. Listen, the show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Outaline. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Outaline. Fox LV, O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E, and then Fox LV. Um, and since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's On Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company you can turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. funding America one neighbor at a time and now offering $2,500 absolutely free in closing costs for any home loan that you qualify for in the state of Nevada. That's a home purchase loan. Uh, just give them a call, 702-964-5720. Again, Residential Bank Corp. Funding one American time, uh, one neighbor at a time. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights are back in the Stanley Cup semifinals again for the second year in a row and for the third time in their first four years of existence. Joining us shortly, a member of the television broadcast team, the analyst Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, now part of the broadcast team this season. Mike's done a great job with them and the Las Vegas Silver Knights. We'll talk all about that shortly when we talk to uh, Mike. Also, fact this, uh, there's a guy in the NBA, man, that just makes me scratch my head. Sometimes, one of the greatest players in the league, when he decides to show up, 
This team seems to always win, including big games. One another one yesterday. Matter of fact, the crucial game. We'll talk about that during fact this. The Las Vegas Aces, they've had a long break. Three games in a row now are going to be home at the Mandalay Bay Event Center starting today at 5 o'clock. We'll mention that. And the Aviators on a little bit of a streak themselves playing good baseball, and they're out at the Las Vegas ballpark. They'll be there for the next, I think, like 13 days, nine or ten more games, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, once again, that is what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or refund, it's the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighbor at a time. And again, right now, Residential Bank Corp offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 for its closing costs. For anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing program, call 702-964-5720 for details. Hey, Spencer, before we get in, are you able to join us? Can you hear us? He's working at it. Well, real quickly, what I want to talk to you about is Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. Um, I'll tell you right now, this this place is amazing. As I kind of mentioned earlier, there's almost no better place in Vegas to watch the Vegas Golden Knights games. The place is quaint. It's a standalone establishment on North Las Vegas Boulevard, right at Washington. Let me tell you about this place. Uh, 17 big screen TVs, 15 gaming machines. The place is back to open 100% capacity. Jennifer Metzger and Dylan Reese did it right here. Uh, it is a Packers bar during the NFL season. Maybe that's one of the few flaws. But, uh, hey, during every Packers game, they're giving away bling. They're giving away Packers jerseys. It's really cool. And during Golden Knights game, why I say it's the best, they've got the NHL package. But during every Golden Knights game, Kickers offers $2 shots during the entire game. And every time the Knights score a goal, well, you get to celebrate with a free shot. Pretty cool. Don't know of any other place in Vegas that's doing it. Plus, check out the graffiti behind me. This place is an awesome place to come, awesome place to watch the game. Check it out again. Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, and they are located um, 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Again, just down the road from the old Cashman Center in the Neon Boneyard. Come on down anytime, 24-7. The gaming machines are up. And, hey, I did pretty well. I've only sat at the gaming machines, I think, twice, and I've won both times. So not too bad. Come on down and definitely check us out. Uh, listen, let's get right into this thing as I've got a special guest in the line. I'm going to crack open my Red Bull as we play our nightcap, and we'll welcome, welcome in our guests in a second. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. All right, well, here we go. This is time for Nightcap, and joining us in just a minute on the um, on our StreamYard page and, of course, on the uh, Residential Bay Corp Fox Sports Studio line is a former goalie and member of the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team, Mike McKenna. Before that, man, this is the way it sounded after right at the end of game six at the, at uh, T-Mobile Arena. That will be the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens in round three. And joining us right now on the Fox Sports Studio, Residential Bank Corp Studio line, and on Facebook Live and StreamYard, former goalie and current uh, television analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights is Mike McKenna. What's going on, my friend? Oh, man, just living life, you know, enjoying it, getting ready to go out, play a little tennis, come back, get ready to do some other media things. So it's amazing, man, how when a team goes far, all of a sudden you're in 
demand. So I've had like media lined up and it's fun, man. This is the best time of the year. Happy to do it. And only way it would have been better is if I was on the ice. But hey, that chapter's closed for me. <laughs> hey, that chapter just recently closed. You never know. Yep. My old friend with the Detroit Lions, Eddie Murray, the kicker, he he was he was on the sidelines as our sideline reporter, Mike, and all of a sudden he gets a call from the Washington Redskins to unretire at 44 years old and come back and finish the season with them. You never know in professional sports. But you've been in demand all year, my friend. You have done a great job with both franchises, working double duty with the brand-new Henderson Silver Knights, uh, ready to open now for next season it's going to be amazing and of course another deep run by the vegas golden knights mike this is absolutely amazing being from detroit which is dubbed hockey town i have been following uh, hockey since i was knee high to a toadstool the pardon old expression and i have never not only thought of anything like this or dreamed of anything like this who could have imagined what the Vegas Golden Knights have done in their first four years of existence. Mike, we talked about two and a half months ago, hoping we'd get a chance to talk again during the playoffs. And here we are looking at the Stanley Cup semifinals for the second year in a row. And the first and three out of the first four years, this team has been in existence. I mean, I'm perplexed. It's it's amazing to think about. I mean, you just you still hear the term expansion team thrown around by everybody in in media circles and it's like are you guys serious this team's gone to the gone deep in the playoffs three or four years they've been in playoffs all four years cup final the first one uh for a team that everybody wrote off i was still playing the first year and everybody thought okay maybe they'll be like kind of competitive no they go to the cup final and keep it rolling and then keep getting better and better through acquisitions and trades and it's it's incredible what you do when you have one good ownership, two good leadership, uh, and, and management committed to making things happen. And just the special relationship here in Vegas with the team is it's incredible, man. Everybody's a hockey fan, and it's it's when people don't understand about Vegas is that this is organic and this is real. This isn't like fair weather. Oh, okay, hockey's a new, no. Like people love this team, right? People wanted somebody to root for. In all honesty, it could have been any any of the pro sports, I think, if they were expansion clubs, but this is special. Uh, and, man, it's fun to be part of. That rink was absolutely jamming game six when they knocked off the avalanche. No question about it, Mike. It's so cool to see the fans back in the stands. It was one of the most unique things of my life this past year, seeing professional hockey and professional football games and college basketball and football games without any fans in the stands. I don't think any of us will ever see anything like that again. At least I hope we don't, but it was a very unique experience for all of us that got an opportunity to see something like that. It was kind of amazing. Quiet, like watching a Raiders game, listening to John Gruden yell to Derek Carr on the field was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. It was like I was at a practice, but yet it was an actual NFL game. But back to back to the to task and the subject at hand, Mike. Again, you know you can't overstate it. Yeah, you know you, you don't want to call them an expansion team anymore, but yet four years ago, that's exactly what they were. All these players that came over in the expansion draft were basically told by their NHL teams, "We do not consider you one of the best ten players on our team." Or we do not consider you the top goaltender on our team, a la Marc-Andre Fleury. And here we're sending you off to Vegas. Boy, did those players, if you want to talk about using a chip, and these guys are good guys. The chip wasn't outward. It was inward, especially with a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury. He carries that chip deep inside of him. But boy, do we know it's there, and have we not seen it over the past four years. But this team carried that chip into the Stanley Cup finals in their first season. And it wasn't a fluke, as they proved the next year, 
getting screwed uh, two years ago against the, the um, San Jose Sharks. No question, that was a terrible call to call a five-minute major at that point in time in the game. The Golden Knights up heavily with 10 minutes to go. They lose to the San Jose Sharks. They should have at least gone to the second round in the second year. And then two more, some, we'll call it NHL semifinals since it's not the conference finals this year with the new uh, reconfiguration of the season. But, uh, Mike, again, I, I, I sit back. I am just amazed at everything. And when you take all this and you bundle it up, you talk about leadership and management. It trickles down from Bill Foley, the owner who came here, committed to win, hires a general manager like like a, a you know a, a guy that you know was with was with one of the most famous coaches of all time in the Olympics, a, a guy in McPhee that that put this team together and really form this team to where it is today. He did it in Washington. You saw the repercussions of that in a good way when Washington won the Stanley Cup championship against the Vegas Golden Knights in their first year with a team that he basically built. And now George McPhee was the orchestra the orchestra leader of this team, putting it initially together. And you're still seeing the re- – because it's not like this is a new team. You still have one of the most amazing lines intact in March or so and Riley Smith and William Carlson. You still have the same goaltender. You still have a lot of the same pieces of the puzzle but again it did start with leadership and then I mentioned the guy Marc-Andre Fleury this team without question more this year than any other is not where they are right now without that man between the pipes well he's been the rock for you know you think about how this team performs and how they've been able to score when necessary but if you don't play good defense you're not going to win games and you see it all throughout the NHL, but when you get to this point in time, there's not a big delta between the top team and the fourth team, right? Like you get to the final four in, in any sport, you're going to play the best. And especially with Montreal coming in, this is a team that's committed themselves to defense. Early in the season, they were very good. They lost their way midway through. They got a couple of acquisitions towards the trade deadline, picked up some veteran leadership. They get stalled. They get a good offensive defenseman in Gustafson, and then they get Carey Price back who is the foil to Marc-Andre Fleury. And that's what's so exciting about this, man. From an old goalie standpoint, this is like goalie heaven to see two Canadian Olympic goaltenders, Marc-Andre Fleury, who's playing at a Vezina caliber pace this year, with Carey Price, who people are already declaring the playoff MVP two rounds in. It's just, it's so incredible to watch. But you look at Marc-Andre's statistics, the traditional ones, they're outstanding. But now we've got these advanced analytics in sports that you can look deeper and look inward and find out these things called goals saved above average. And you can find out how many rebounds they give. And you know what? Mark Andre's still right at the pointy end for that. So he's been critical for the team. And, and I say this all the time about goaltenders. Like our job isn't just to stop pucks. It's to inspire your teammates, right? When you make that huge save, when you put a little flare on it, when you look down the bench and you see the smile on your teammates' faces, when they come up, they pat you on the pads, and you give them the same thing back. Alex, Alec Martinez talked about this yesterday, that you know a big block shot, flowers behind them, screaming for the boys, yelling for them. You're pulling together as a team. I love that, man. Those are the things that I miss about playing, especially come playoff time. Oh, there's no question about it. Well, Mike, when you talk about, you know, goaltender heaven, I think every Stanley Cup postseason is goaltender heaven because really the teams that always tend to make the deep runs, it is because the netminder, the man between the pipes, to pardon an old cliche, 
stands on his head, one of these guys, and carries his team. Um, there's there's no league what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs to me so dynamic and so exciting is that factor that you'll see a team like years ago when the L.A. Kings put hockey on the map in the western United States by winning the Stanley Cup, literally making the playoffs on the final day of the regular season. And then a guy named Jonathan Quick, former Vesna Trophy winner, takes this team from the eighth seed to the Stanley Cup championship. And I'm not going to say he did it by himself. Obviously, it takes a team and effort. But there were several one nothing. 2-1 games in that postseason by the LA Kings and that was all all Jonathan Quick and we're, we are seeing Marc-Andre Fleury do that again this year for the Vegas Golden Knights and we're going to talk about goaltenders in a minute because that is a, a great subject one of my favorite subjects at this time of year and of course all four teams remaining to, to, to vie for the Stanley Cup this year, it is because of great goaltender play by every one of them. Now, granted, there are other factors for sure with each of these teams. I mean, Tampa Bay getting healthy at the right moment. But the point is, is goaltending is a big part of why these four teams are still standing right now at the end. And Marc-Andre Fleury, to me, at the forefront of that, as much as they want to hand the MVP to Carey Price, we're going to find out. I don't think Montreal has seen anything like they're about to see in the Vegas Golden Knights this season. Most people have argued the entire year that the Canadian division was the weakest in the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, in, in the NHL. And you kind of saw that in the playoffs by the lower seeds beating the upper seeds, which is kind of surprising when you get to this level that you just see a complete mix like that. But don't disregard Montreal. They're the hottest team in the NHL, seven straight playoff wins. And we'll talk about that in a minute as we move forward. Some of the integral parts, one of the things I've given you a lot of credit for, Mike, but you haven't heard it since you were on the show last time. I said, what was going on with you last time you are on the show? I said, what, what was going on with the Knights that you felt had to change? Somebody that had to pick up their game. And the name you mentioned was Nicholas Waugh back the last time on the show. Boy, has he picked up his game. Maybe not shining so much in the playoffs, but shortly after you said that Nicholas Wild really proved why he centers the third line in this hockey team and is an integral part. But another integral part, obviously, to me, as much of a cog as Mark Andre Fleury is, the acquisition of Mark Stone has really changed the face of this franchise. So perfect of a fit to be the team's first captain. Team high, 61 points this year with 21 goals and 40 assists. He's got 40 points in 67 career playoff games now. 25 goals, 27 assists. And I don't know, Mike, if there was any bigger goal than the goal Mark Stone scored in the overtime this season against the Avalanche in the playoffs. I mean, you, you know, when you question or you wonder where's Mark Stone at. It just takes one play like that to see this man's ability to play the game of hockey and how great of a player he is uh, and, and what a tremendous acquisition for the Golden Knights. And to me, as much as we need Marc-Andre Fleury, or I should say the Golden Knights need Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes, they need Mark Stone performing and being the emotional and on-ice leader of this hockey team. And that's how it works. You have a goaltender, you have a captain, and those are really your two focal points in a locker room. And goaltenders historically over time they've considered us the outcast that doesn't talk a lot and you stay quiet well that's not Marc Andre Fleury that's not everybody any longer okay you don't have to live on an island as a goaltender to be able to perform you can be a teammate as well that's Marc Andre but when you talk about leadership I thought that the team needed a captain okay desperately in previous times but the timing wasn't right uh, management felt and coming into this season that's when they felt okay 
we've got our guy. He's shown he's been here. He fits in. He's obviously the emotional core of this team. It's time to put the C on Mark Stone. And look at that series against Colorado. Okay, yeah, he scores a game-defining, a series-defining goal in overtime. Gets the win for his team. He had several during it. But what I think was the critical part to that series was how Mark Stone and his line mates and Max Pacioretty and Chandler Stevenson were able to control the top line of the Colorado Avalanche. They were tasked with the hardest job in hockey, which is controlling Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen, and they did it to a T. Five on five, they dominated them. So this is a theme throughout the Golden Knights and throughout playoff hockey is that you have to adapt your game to the task at hand. You have to know what your role is. And the first line for the Golden Knights – the top scoring line for the Golden Knights had to play a more of a defensive role in the series against Colorado than they have previously, and they excelled at it. The speed of Stevenson up and down the ice, back-checking like crazy, Mark Stone with the hockey IQ, picking off passes, it played into their favor. And then when it came time to score, they did. You got the big goal from Mark Stone. You got the big goal from Max Pacioretty. Four game winners in overtime so far, in, uh, in playoffs so far for Max Pacioretty. You think the boys are happy to have him back in the lineup, right? From game seven and against Minnesota to where they are now. So it's it really is. It's about adaptability. It's finding your game. Nick Why you mentioned who did. He went the big difference is that he got put back at center after the last time we talked. And, and I've played against Nick Wall before previously, and I can tell you that that's when I think he's at his best. His forecheck and his, his skating ability. He puck hounds. That's when he seems to feel most comfortable. That's his natural position. So you've got players in the position to succeed, but man, they are playing to their role and what the team needs from them. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And you know, it's funny because that is kind of Pete DeBoer's stamp on this hockey team is is uh, being the cat, being the orchestrator of that line of putting Chandler Stevenson finding the right fit and center with Pacioretty and Stone on either side because that line is magical. And as you said, you know. All of them have proved to be great two-way players, especially mm-hmm. in the postseason. And as you said, people aren't taking into account like they're talking about the production of the misfit line, which is now the number two line that was the number one line on this team for the first two seasons. And amazing stayed together. And, of course, that's Gerard Gallant's uh, magic of putting that team initially together as the top line. William Carlson is, of course, 43 goals in his first season with the Golden Knights in that magical first season. But those two lines, you know, you have the one that's intact that stayed intact for four years which is absolutely amazing that a line has stayed intact for four years in the national hockey league well that's the line of riley smith jonathan marcheso and william carlson and then of course the line you mentioned that pete DeBoer put together now the number one line with chandler chandler stevenson centering the line with mark stone and max patch but that that misfit line talking about the line that comes in number two how magical has that been and that kind of segues into my question my next question to you and i was going to say you know who is playing best right now on this team? And I'm going to answer first because I know you'll probably steal my thunder because how can you overlook what Jonathan Marchessault has meant to this team this year in the playoffs? Not that he hasn't been an integral cog since the very beginning, but you're talking about a guy that's five foot nine on his tiptoes, that plays as big as anyone else in the ice, has no fear or does not, does not shy away from physicality in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to say he's got the Napoleon syndrome, complex but my god in heaven this guy plays great hockey and boy has it it translated to the ice this year uh especially in the postseason jonathan marshall playing as good as anybody in the nhl 
That line has been fantastic. The original Misfits line, like you said, four years together, so you know each other in and out. You've got Riley Smith, who, to me, Riley Smith's play in playoffs has not been rewarded with the point totals it should right now. And I think a lot of that is because Riley Smith has the puck when they're driving into the zone. A couple more passes happen before it ends up in the back of the net. But he's been integral. Will Carlson, like you said, he's leading the team in scoring with 11 points in 13 games. But he's been so strong, 200 feet. And he's been great in the face-off circle. That's been a big improvement to his game this year. He's at 56% in playoffs. He's taking draws in the D zone and the offensive zone. And that's what set, sets up Jonathan Marsh so for his success. Okay, Marshy's a shooter. You give him the puck, let him tickle the twine, let him get after the scoreboard with the backswing. And he's the type of guy who will fill the net, man. He's got six goals in playoffs. He is a big game player, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder or a burr under his saddle. When the emotion goes up in a game, that's when Jonathan Marsha sows the best. I know it firsthand from playing with him. We were teammates years ago in Springfield in the American League, and you'd see Marshy get angry, and he'd just start filling the net. And he just loves that zeal, that zest, and – I tell you what, man, like old player here, right? I miss after games looking up, seeing my family in the stands after win, waving to him. And after the Golden Knights knocked off the Minnesota Wild in round one, I stayed and I watched for a little while. And I saw Jonathan Marshall so look up at his growing brood of children. I think he's got four kids at this point. And his wife and the wave and the smile. And you can just tell how special this is. Okay, and especially for a team that has so many kids like the Golden Knights, right? Like this is a big deal that you're going this far and everybody's enjoying it together to see that smile. They're having fun. That's the key to all this. You don't play this well. You don't go this far if the culture isn't right and you're not enjoying each other. And that's what we've seen from the, from the Golden Knights so far. We are talking with Mike McKinnon. He is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights television analyst. Mike doing a great job. Former longtime NHL goalie. And, of course, we are talking Vegas Golden Knights as they get ready. Tomorrow night they will play the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup semifinals. The two hottest teams in the National Hockey League right now, although all four teams left are pretty darn hot. But the Canadians have won seven straight games. The Golden Knights now four in a row. Not just four in a row, but four in a row against the President. President, uh, the president against the team that didn't lose four games in a row all season. <laughs> Damn straight. Pretty amazing. We talk about, you know, guys playing the best. Who is the biggest surprise to Mike McKenna right now? Again, I'm going to steal. I'm going to jump in front of you. There's a couple of guys that stand out. Yanmark, one of them, with a first career playoff hat trick. How cool after only scoring one goal and coming over, people questioned what his contribution would be to this team. Boy, does he fit in on that third line so well with Nicholas Waugh. And, of course, one of the fastest and most electrifying skaters on the team, Alex Tuck, who we'll talk about as well. But the biggest surprise, Yanmark has been a tremendous surprise. I also think Keegan Kolasar, we're watching him grow up in front of our eyes on this team and play better and better and better. And it was, it was kind of sad to see Patrick Brown get scratched from the last game after as well as he played two huge goals he's contributed but I think Colasar really fits in between uh, Ryan Reeves and William Carrier I mean you want to talk about a grind line a line that you, you don't want to see on the ice there's a lot of beef out there man <laughs> that's what I'm saying That's Holstein baby <laughs> who's been the biggest surprise to you Mike well, you know, I, it's really hard to single out one person. And just kind of like you you rattled off some names, you could look to most of them. I, I do think Keegan Colesar may take that title. 
Okay, what he's grown into this year, you know, I think coming into the season, it was kind of an unknown what Keegan could bring to the team, right? Can he produce at the NHL? Is he going to find the net? He looks so comfortable on the ice now. He's playing center, which isn't even a natural position for him, and he's excelling at it. Uh, he's been a nice compliment. You know, he's been in and out of the lineup. He hasn't played all the games, but he's played the majority. And I feel like, to me, rather than we single one person, I think we look at just the depth of the Golden Knights in general as being the nicest surprise so far because there have been pieces to the puzzle missing. No six been out of the lineup, okay? You've also been missing Ryan Reeves in and out at times. Max Pacioretty for the first round. So they had to rely on players like Patrick Brown, like Dylan Secura, like Keegan Colasar, Nick Hague, Nick Holden, right? 25 Vegas Golden Knights players have played in the playoffs. 21 of them have a point. That, I mean, yeah. it's incredible. So when you look at a team that needs to, that's trying to find success, you have to look at those ancillary pieces. Your third line, your depth defenseman. Nick Holden's put points up when he's come in the lineup. You know, Zach Whitecloud's played great. Another progression to a, to a person. But you know who's really done the best in playoffs that may not have in the regular season that we've seen a different player is Alex Petrangelo. He has taken over, especially in the Colorado series, what he did against them to contain McKinnon and everybody else, the hard minutes he played blocking shots. I think Petrangelo has been unbelievable so far in playoffs, especially late in that Colorado series. Oh yeah. I mean, he had, for all practical purposes, he had the game winning goal in game six at, at uh, T-Mobile arena, tremendous, just a one timer. And that is Alex Petrangelo. Now people, I think, see why he got the big contract and why there was such a big stink made about him. A lot of people a little bit hurt and sad about seeing Nate Schmidt go as he was one of the cornerstones of the initial, uh, you know, the, the misfits, so to speak. But uh, I don't think anyone's complaining about Alex Petrangelo right now or Alex Martinez, another guy that I won't say he's the biggest surprise. He's been blocking shots his entire career, but that's the whole thing when you say his entire career. I mean, he's he's a year, a couple of years away from having a grandkid. Now I'm joking, but the he's bottom 33. line is, Take it yeah, easy on the guy. I, I know, I know, but but it feels, you know, you know, Mike, it feels like he's 43 because we've seen him for so long performing at such a high level, especially in the postseason for the LA Kings and now for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. He is a gamer. He is a, as Nick Vitale would say in college basketball, he is a PT peer, a guy that shows up in big games, and there's not a guy who takes a shot, I don't care how hard it is in the NHL, that, that Alex Martinez won't step in front of and block that shot. You want to talk about a second goaltender on the ice, sometimes it's him, but everyone has done a really good job. In your opinion, Mike, and by the way, again, we are talking to Mike McKinney, you're listening to Out of Line on Fox Sports Radio. I've kept Mike longer than I promised, but sorry, you're doing a great job. Love hearing <laughs> talk about this and I got to know who do you think needs to step up for this team to go all the way and win the Stanley Cup well I think they're at the point right now where there's not really missing many pieces right I, I think that you're seeing a team that's performing and and really they're understanding their roles and we talked about that early in the in the segment here that they just are finding ways to have everybody contribute especially late in Colorado like the game six Carrier scores Colasar, Colasar scores I'm not sure we can look to one individual. I think what we can look to is the power play. The deeper you go in playoffs, if your special teams aren't where you need them to be, you're probably not going to win because you can't rely on just five-on-five hockey. Now, the Golden Knights have done a better job staying out of the box late in the Colorado series. You look early, they had problems. You take four minors in the first period of game two, you're probably not going to come back and win that one. That's what happened. Then they started to clean their game up. Then they played five-on-five. 
but the power play has been lacking. It's got to be better, especially if they get past Montreal. And if they get to the final, you're going to have to get production from your power play. We've seen some different looks. We've seen Alec Martinez as a one-timer option. Jonathan Marsh is so now as well in a couple of secondary units. How can Pete DeBoer tweak that power play to get more out of it? That's what I see as being a true key for the Golden Knights going forward. No, I like that a lot, and I think the power play, I think special teams is always a very – PK's been power. outstanding. Phenomenal. And I think you'd almost – I think you'd almost take a better PK than you would a power play as important as they are. You need to stop the other team. And I think a couple of things that need to step up. One, the Knights in the respect of don't take bad penalties, especially in the third period. They've taken a couple of those. They've come very close to being very costly and detrimental. And the other thing is, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I've said I like the acquisition of Pete DeBoer from day one when a lot of people were screaming about Gerard Grant. And I'm a huge Gerard Grant fan, being from the Right. Heck, he wore the A next to Stevie Eisenman back in the 80s. I love the guy. But um, I question a couple of things that Pete DeBoer did in the playoffs. And all I'll say is step up and don't overcoach Pete. And, and by doing that, I, I was, and I think a lot of people were, I understood why you played Robin Leonard in game one. You got to give Mark Andre Fleury a break. But I think Robin Leonard needed to see the ice in the Minnesota series. And I thought game five was the perfect opportunity to do that. And they lost the game anyways. But I thought, give Mark Andre Fleury a rest right now while you've got a cushion and see what Robin Leonard can do. If he lays an egg, now you're justified playing Mark Andre Fleury throughout the playoffs, where you can't, where Robin can't get upset. If he does a great job, it's great to say, "Hey, look, Mark's got us here. Now we know you're ready to be the backup." I thought it was kind of throwing him under a gun, putting him in Game One in Colorado, and we saw the effects of that. That was one coaching decision, and the other one was in Game Five. I was kind of surprised that he didn't play Ryan Reeves in that game, and almost got got a little too cute not playing Ryan Reeves and letting the letting the players, you know, kind of bringing in some fresh blood when Ryan Reeves was completely healthy to play game five. And you saw that lack of a physical presence nearly cost the Vegas Golden Knights that game. And I, those are the – so I'm just saying don't overcoach. Don't think too much. Just go with what's working and do what you've been doing all along to make this team on the verge of winning their first President's Cup, right? Well, I mean, I think you look at those decisions and we don't know if Reeves is battle, was battling anything or not. Right. So I, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that like as an ex-player, I know sometimes you go out for warmups. It's like just can't go. So I have no idea whether he was playing Ryan Reeves or not. But like you do when you've had a strength of two goaltenders, you trust that. And that first game wasn't about Robin Leonard or Marc-Andre Fleury against Colorado. The team was just gassed from playing against Minnesota. Right. And traveling between time zones, two hours to central and back, you could just tell that they were flat. And, and I do think that there's times where. You know, coaches have to rely on what they've known throughout the season. And throughout the season, you had Robin Lenny and Marc-Andre Fleury pushing each other, and it's a strength. So uh, it's understandable why they went to that type of uh, rotation. I do think also, let's say this, though, that Marc-Andre Fleury is a thoroughbred. He could play every game. This is, I don't under, this, You throw age out the window, okay? I played the best hockey of my life when I was 36. Of my life, 35, 36 years old. You have experience. You know how to manage your body. Last couple teams that have all won have done it with one goaltender. Okay, you can do that. But to have the backup plan with Robin Leonard, who you know can perform, especially if the team is in the right scenario, if the team's not tired, if they're going to play well in front of them, that makes a difference. So uh, I I do think there is the hands-off approach. And and I think you'd be surprised. Like Coaching, when you get this late, you do a lot of homework leading into a series. But as the series progresses, 
there's not a lot of coaching to do. A lot of it is you just get your guys ready to play, you show them the clips from the last game, and you let them do their thing. Players at this level, especially this late in playoffs, they know how to get the job done. They don't need a ton of motivation. They just need a little bit of X's and O's to give them the guidance on what they need to do. We're talking to Mike McKenna. He is, again, the television analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights. Mike, almost ready to let you go. A couple more quick things. Now now we're getting ready for Montreal. We've talked about set up the final four, so to speak. And it's kind of cool to see Montreal come in with a couple of ex-Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, their number two pick, the inaugural season, Nick Suzuki, has come into his own. Uh, kind of what the what the Vegas Golden Knights had hoped we would see with Cody Glass. Not seeing it, it looks like Nick Suzuki might have been the cream of the crop of that class. I'm not going to question the moves. Um, also, Daniel Tatar they sent over in that move. And then you've got Johnny Merrill also playing with the Canadians. So it's nice to see former Vegas Golden Knights sprinkled through other really good hockey teams. But Montreal playing real well. We're going to talk about the goaltenders. I mean, obviously a lot of that on the back of Carey Price, former Vesna Trophy winner himself. What is it going to take for this team to beat Montreal? I mean, everyone's saying it's the weakest division. They should have no problem. But this is a very hot Montreal team. Seven games in a row, as we've talked about, they've won. They were down 3-1 in the Toronto Maple Leaf series. Toronto, another story for another show. But you've got Montreal Canadiens feeling very confident coming in, riding a high, riding a hot goaltender. And the Vegas Golden Knights, could they and is there a chance they could look past Montreal and it could cause them problems? No, I wouldn't be from looking past them at all. It would just be because Montreal would be playing that well. You know, you don't ever come into a series thinking, oh, this is a foregone conclusion, especially when you get down to the final four teams. And, you know, the, the narrative that the North hasn't been good, how can we justify that? I, the, teams, the, the conferences didn't play against one another. The divisions did not play against each other this year. So I have a hard time buying that. I mean, you look at the Honda West and Anaheim and L.A. were doormats. Right. So, I mean, was the Honda West really that good? Was St. Louis really as good as people thought? I don't think so. I mean, that's a team that wavered all season long. And, and, you know, you really had Colorado and Vegas and Minnesota as your strong teams in the West. But you just can't compare. And and I think for, for the Golden Knights, they've gone through two really tough series. Montreal has actually had a pretty easy path in how they've done things, regardless of the one game seven. Like they've gotten through it. Um pretty effortlessly they are missing some players though they're missing jeff petrie on the blue line which is a huge piece to their team uh johnny merrill's questionable too they've got a little bit out but you look at a team that's got great goaltending they're buying in defensively montreal is okay they started off the year hot they lost their way by the end of the year now they're taking care of their d zone and that's led to offense and you're talking about nick suzuki it's a great storyline you know patch versus suzuki and in hindsight's 2020 how can we ever look back at this because you do the best you can to feel the best team you can. And the Golden Knights put up as many points as anybody in the league this year. Okay, You have to give assets up if you want something that, you, that you're craving. And Max Pacioretty, four goals in, in playoffs, game-winning goals, I think I'd take that. But this is a team that's playing confident in Montreal. They've got that great first line that they're letting the kids play. They've got Tyler Toffoli, who the Gold, Golden Knights saw last year in playoffs with Vancouver, may have been their best player. Suzuki, and then Cole Caulfield. The reigning Hobie Baker winner out of NCAA college hockey in the U.S. is riding a wave of confidence. He's on the verge of being a premier playmaker in the NHL. That first line is dangerous. Uh, they, they may not be quite to the level of the McKinnon line from Colorado, but they're really close the way they're playing right now, and they're dangerous on the power play. So the Canadians don't have the same depth as the Golden Knights on paper, 
but they're playing well as a team. They're buying in defensively. They're playing structured. So the Golden Knights are going to have to be ready to fight for their ice, get in front of Carey Price's eyes, get to rebounds, all those cliche things they need to happen on top of the transition game that the Golden Knights already have. I agree again, talking to Mike McKenna. And Mike, I agree with you. you know, the, the one thing people, when you talk about the North being the weakest division, the North also features, in my opinion, and I think in most opinion, the two best players in the National Hockey League in Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers and, and of course, uh, um, uh, my, my um, Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, and both those players play in that division on teams that made the playoffs. And of course, as you talked about Montreal's defense, they found a way to neutralize Austin Matthews, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. But you saw him frustrated continuously through that series and a good reason why the Montreal Canadiens won. And again, it all comes down to the last line of defense. And our last subject matter, the goaltending, you look at the final four teams and look at the people manning the nets. Mark andre Fleury, five-time All-Star, three-time Stanley Cup champion. The only thing he's missing is a Vesna Trophy. Maybe he'll get his just dessert this year. Carey Price, seven-time All-Star, Olympic gold medalist, and was voted by the way the best goalie in the Olympics in 2014, Sochi, and won the 2015 Vesna Trophy. And of course, Andre Vajileski, three-time All-Star, won the 2019 Vesna Trophy winner on the reigning Stanley Cup champs, and Simeon Vilarmov, man, he might not have the accolades of the other goaltenders, but in the last two seasons, we have seen this man establish himself as one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Talking about standing on his head, we've seen Vilarmov do it several times for the Islanders. A lot of the reason they got past the Boston Bruins, who were possibly in their last round with all those great veteran players, a great veteran goaltender, and two harass themselves. Don't by any means think that Vilarmov can't get the job done for the Islanders because they could very well beat and at this point upset the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it really is when you get down to the Final Four and you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, as we talked about earlier, you can't talk enough about goaltending. And how about the four guys right now left on the four teams in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Mike? No, it's no surprise. I mean, it's tough to get anywhere without having the goaltending. And you could even look at the Islanders as having two premier goaltenders. Uh, Ilya Sorokin has been excellent for them in his rookie campaign. Uh, another Russian goaltender, which is it's a, that's an interesting dynamic of the East. You've got Vasilevsky, Sorokin, and Varlamov, so three of the premier Russian goaltenders in the league. Uh, that's another interesting storyline to see, probably all fighting for the net for the Olympic team for that uh, for that country. But Sorokin, I love his game. He may not be the one playing now. He's already played in playoffs, though. So they've got two bullets there in, in Long Island. And, of course, Barry Trotz, the way he coaches. He surrounds his goaltenders. He makes them feel confident. They have an incredible goalie director in Mitch Korn, uh, legend of the game when it comes to our position, one of the premier goaltending coaches, Piero Greco, who also works with them there. Uh, it's it, it's It's awesome. Honestly, goalie perspective, once again, you know, you've got some heavyweight goalies, you've got heavyweight goalie coaches in all four of these cities, and you can bet that they're trying to undercover, uh, they're trying to uncover anything they can find to score on them. But the ironic part is when you're trying to find ways to score on a goaltender, a specific goaltender, you're really not looking at the shot chart. You're not going, ah, this guy's bad high glove. Let's shoot high glove. You're really looking inward. How have you generated goals? How can you generate goals against a goaltender that gets in people's heads like Carey Price? Saw that in the first round. At times, Cam Talbot got into the head of the Golden Knights. They started to look for too much. They started to pass up shots. When they started to play direct, when the Golden Knights got the puck on their stick and went to the net, like they did in Game 6 against the Colorado Avalanche, 
that's when they find their most success. It's not about who they're facing in net. It's about how they create their offense, quick strike opportunities, transition, rush, when the power play is going. Golden Knights need all of that to solve Carey Price. No question about it. It is, uh, you know, it can't be overstated uh, how important goaltending is to their team. And you are 100% right with Cam Talbert. You can get in the melon. And I think when it comes to that, unless there is a glaring deficiency with a goaltender, he's probably not in the National Hockey League if there's a glaring deficiency of a certain part of his game. Where you yeah, like me, you mean. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying, as you kind of mentioned, you throw analytics out. It is yeah. a feel at this point in the season, not analytically, and that is what the Golden Knights, but their masters are doing it, and they've got all the players that understand the ability and talk about playoff experience. There's no team left with any more playoff experience than the Golden Knights and the players on this team very used to playing together. Mike, it's that time. It's time to put you on the spot. Let's start off with a prediction in game one because traditionally in every sport, they always say in every sport where there's seven-game series, they say game one is the perfect game when you go in and steal the other team's feeling overconfident. They're the favorite team to win the series in most cases when they're playing at home. And the Golden Knights are playing at home tomorrow night in game one against the Canadians. I always say if there's a game to steal, it's game one. What's your prediction on that game? And I want to know, not just your prediction on the series, right now before the Final Four, who do you think's winning the Stanley Cup and why? Oh, yeah, you're putting me on the spot. I hate making predictions. I should I know. I don't, I don't like I even came on. I don't like it either. I don't. I hate putting the Swami hat on, but everybody loves to make the. You know, let's get for the comparison's sake. Um, I, listen, the Golden Knights on home ice to me have just been magic. I, I think that game one here, I think they take it. The only prediction I made in the second series was that if the Golden Knights won Game Five, I thought they'd come home and roll them in Game Six, and they did. So I'm one and zero in playoffs so far. But I think the Golden Knights take Game One. Um, I don't know that Montreal's got the depth or firepower to really go against them, but we just don't know. So my gut says Golden Knights in five. My brain says Golden Knights in six. And it's only a one-game discrepancy here. So, um, And for the Stanley Cup, I mean, I, I actually do really believe in what the Islanders are doing. I think you're going to see Golden Knights and Islanders. That's just my – again, we're going gut here. Tampa Bay is an incredible club. Can they pull it off again against a really good defensive team like the Islanders? I'm not sure. They're carrying a lot of swag right now. But I'd have to go Golden Knights for the cup. If you're going Islanders versus Golden Knights, they're two heavy teams that can grind. They can play defense. But I think that the the edge in terms of offense would go towards the Golden Knights. So I'm giving the big homer pick here. I'm not going against the club in the hometown, but it's for a reason. I think the Golden Knights right now are the hottest team in the NHL with the best chance to win the cup. I like everything you said. I think the Islanders are a very resilient, very scrappy bunch. And talk about a guy that's coming to his own in this postseason. Matthew Barzell has, is proving to be one of the best players in the National Hockey League. Uh, as, you, as much as you worry about Nate McKinnon in that first step and getting away from you, if you sleep on Matthew Barzell for one minute, he will absolutely oh. fry your ass. I mean, that guy can flat out fly and play go, hockey. Go look at the last game I played against Matt Barzell. There's a couple <laughs> of them behind me. Yep. It's funny. It's funny as players play a little while in this league, a la Nate McKinnon and Matt Barzell, they figure it out and they learn how to use their attributes uh, to their advantage. And both those guys have figured out and have, have stapled themselves amongst the best players in the league. Uh, Mike, as always, hey, you, taught, you were with us just about the whole show today, but I really appreciate it. We really enjoyed uh, the segment. We'll have you on again. And uh, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's hope we're still talking in a week from right now. 
I hope so. You know, I got my mom to thank. She taught me how to talk. And I, I just follow in her footsteps. So nobody's ever accused me of being short. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was a blast talking today. Hey, you found your you found your niche after professional hockey to talk about it. You do a great job, and we appreciate having you here in Vegas again. Mike McKenna, he is the analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, for the Henderson Silver Knights, and we'll have him on again. We appreciate that. Spencer, we're almost out of time, so let's talk NBA hit fact this. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Spencer, it's a fact. That when Kawhi Leonard puts forth maximum effort and plays his best, he is one of the very best players in the NBA. This means that if he shows up with the same effort we saw yesterday and in game six and seven versus Dallas, the Clippers can come back from another 2-0 deficit and beat Utah and even get to the NBA Finals. Whether they'll win against the East representative, which I still think will be the Brooklyn Nets, is another story. But... Why do we not see this effort from Kawhi Leonard on a game-in and game-out basis? Well, I guess there's a lot of answers to that question. Some of it could be age. Maybe he just doesn't have that left in the tank. Maybe it's motivation, too. Like Maybe it's like not until he feels like he has to do it that it's time. Although the only interesting thing about this series that I'll say, and I'll bounce it back to you, is that no team in NBA history has had multiple 0-2 series starts in one. So Of course, there's been a few, uh, and they were one of them this year, but no one's ever done it twice. And they're going to need Kawhi Leonard to be that every night. I just don't know if he is, for whatever reason the case may be, like you can say a million different reasons, but it's just not happening on a nightly basis. You know, you see him and Paul George play together when they're both playing at the top of their game. That is a magical duet. And I believe they can go up against anybody and win in the NBA. But again, they both have to play at the top of their game. Paul George needs to contain himself, sometimes play within himself as he gets outside of his game. But when he, when Paul George plays his game, as we saw yesterday, some huge, gigantic three-point buckets to keep that team with a double-digit lead in a must-win game at home, uh, they did it. It was so strange in that first series against Dallas up until game seven, the visiting team won every game. You rarely see that in the NBA, and I don't think it's ever happened before, but can the LA Clippers do what I said, and if Kawhi Leonard plays his best game every game, and Paul George shows up like he did yesterday. Can they do what they did against Dallas? They started 2-0 against the Mavericks, came back and won that game, that series in seven. Utah is not Dallas. Okay, Dallas is, I'm not going to say they're a one-man show, but Luka Doncic is, you know, a top five NBA talent, and we saw that in the first round. Utah has many more pieces in place, including Donovan Mitchell, who might be hurt, but Donovan Mitchell not talked about when you talked about the elite players in the NBA. Maybe it's about time we started putting him in that conversation. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, if you look on our website, outoflinefoxsportslv.com, I posted an article about the top 10 players under 25 years old. Donovan Mitchell was number three on my list, and I still feel that way. But you talked about Paul George. This guy amongst high-volume shooters, so at least 17 field goals uh, attempted per game in the playoffs, the fourth worst among 20 players. So that's not going to get it done. Look, Kawhi Leonard shot over 70% in their wins in the first round against Dallas. It's much more likely that Paul George shoots a bad percentage like he did in the first round than Kawhi Leonard shooting 70%. That's just unrealistic. So, yes, he had a great game in game three. That's because the pressure wasn't on. 
And when it gets close, if they do get this series closer, Paul George has literally not done it in his entire career. Playoff P's, he likes to call himself. And obviously, every time he has a bad game, Playoff P starts to trend. I wanted to call Pacioretty that for a really long time. I wanted to call him the new Playoff P. Uh, but the Clippers obviously have a chance, and I hope they do. I had a bet on them early in the season to make it to the finals 3-1. to one. So I'll be rooting for them. I just don't think it's realistic, especially with Mike Conley on the cusp of coming back for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, you're right. It looks like Conley will be coming back. And, you know, you're right with Paul George his entire career. That's been the knock on him. When you, you put the ball in his hand with the game on the line, he misses the shot. There's a lot of guys like Kawhi will make that shot. Steph Curry will make that shot. Obviously, LeBron James, there's a lot of players in the NBA you would put the ball, and you would expect Paul George to be that guy. But if you look back at game-winning opportunities in his career, you would be shocked at the outcome of how many times he has missed that shot. And that is Paul George's moniker. He had a game three. It was a huge game in respect that they had to win that game. You can't go down 0-3 or you're going to lose against Utah. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a game that was you know a, a season-ending game, a game where he's really have his back up against the wall so you're right i'd like to see paul george finally win a big game with their back up against the wall but i still do like the clippers uh to make a run in this series i don't think by any means it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be the utah jazz i think the clippers have the, uh, the the experience and definitely the talent to play with utah and that's going to be an interesting series uh, in and out. Real quickly, Spencer is running really low on time. Other games, the Phoenix Suns surprised me. I did not see them sweeping the Denver Nuggets. Matter of fact, with Chris Paul being hurt in the first round of the playoffs, I'm really surprised that the Clippers are, or excuse me, the Suns are having this kind of stuff. But today at, four, at 5 o'clock, the Suns can absolutely put away the Denver Nuggets and sweep them. You surprised by that? Uh, to a certain extent, maybe. But I mean, here's the reality of the situation. They lost Jamal Murray and that's really tough. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. stepped up really big in the, in the regular season, but the playoffs are just a different beast, and he's a very young kid. So they may have put too much responsibility on him, and that may have just been the reality of the situation. But if they do want to make it deep in the finals, like in the future, like obviously not this year, they never probably thought they had a chance. They need Michael Porter Jr. to be good in the playoffs. Maybe these are good minutes for him. And, you know, they were just exhausted. They play a seven-game series that was so up and down with Portland. It's just too tough for them to be like, okay, now go play Phoenix, who's like hot and the hottest team in the league. It just wasn't a good situation for them. I think they'll get swept today. Very seasoning or a series that gave him a great deal of confidence. Even though the Lakers were without Antonio or, or is Anthony Davis, you still have LeBron James, and so they're reeling in confidence. And the Suns will be a tough out in the West, no matter who they play. We don't have time to talk about him, but a guy who's really coming into his own, and the world knows about him now. If you didn't know about Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks before, you know about him now as they knocked off the New York Knicks, who a lot of people like going into the playoffs, and they're standing toe to toe with a real tough Philadelphia. 76ers team, two games to one. Trey Young uh, can dictate, but uh, the Sixers, uh, you know, winning the last two, a team that you got to be definitely leery of. They did win the East, and they're the best. Again, the Aces, uh, they've had over a week off. They play the um, Seattle, uh, excuse me, they play uh, um, the Dallas Wings today at 5 o'clock, three straight games at home, and the Aviators have won two straight, six out of the last eight. They're at home for nine games in the uh, they play all but Wednesday in the next 10 days so you got a chance to check them up uh, out north again we'll talk more about the Oakland A's still rumors of them coming to Vegas but we are out of time I want to thank uh, Mike McKenna for joining the show for an extended period of time as always our intern and uh, social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski Jennifer Mesker and Dylan Reese kickers for letting us come here